1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
0: Hey, welcome into Believe in Monsters. We are live on all of your favorite social media sites like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. You can follow us, Believe in Monsters podcast, at BIM underscore pod on the Twitter machine. I am Chris Krugman at Shy Bears 1985 Follow me on Twitter. I'm fun. I respond. I tweet a shit ton. Uh, follow lucas at l underscore barry 40 or at under 40 score barry (laughs) fucking i don't remember there's a lot of numbers and names and shit in there so there's an l there's a barry like a like a boysenberry and then the number 40 because lucas loves mike allstock so follow joe at joe gaither six on the twitter box Uh, and yeah, we're fucking live. We're going to talk some John Fox tonight and how he relates to, uh, Matt Eberflus or how these two teams might be similar. Uh, we did have a little bit of sort of kind of news about the, uh, Atlanta bears retiring a player, Mr. Eddie Goldman, former Chicago bears, nose tackle, retired from the game of football, which we All kind of saw coming at some point early before he two years ago yeah we called it two years ago with the pandemic that he might retire and he came out of the pandemic played a year played okay uh but now has chosen to just continue his life outside of the nfl so best of luck to mr eddie goldman uh enjoy life sir you will be missed outside the game and uh yeah lucas how the fuck are you doing tonight,
2: my man? I'm fired up. You said it earlier. I am here. I'm ready to go. Just uh, threw down some coffee here at 9:30 at night. So I can be here with you guys. <clears throat> Chris completely botched my Twitter handle, so it's at LBerry underscore uh, forty. This is. We are two weeks out from training camp, right, Joe? You're the, you're the training camp guy. You know exactly when the date is. Two weeks out, so we got two more coaches. In our, uh, in our year one rewind, Ew. here we got John yeah. Fox, Matt Negi, whoever. Who, who was the guy who called him that, Matt Negi? That's his name,
3: bro. <laughs> no, it's the announcer. There
2: was a, there was one nou- announcer who kept saying it. Who was that?
0: I don't know. I'm not good
2: with why we, we we were joking about that for a while in one episode. I remember, but uh,
0: I f- I feel like the the. <clears throat> The Adams talked about that on their podcast as well, saying that that was the correct pronunciation. It was oh, probably. But nobody ever called him that. It was Naggy, And he nagged all of us for a while. But I, unfortunately, will not be attending that recording of the Believe in Monsters podcast, as I will be in transit to Las Vegas, Nevada, meeting up with L underscore Barry 40 underscore... Be- I'll be holding down the fort here
2: on Tuesday, though, and then meeting you on Wednesday.
0: Right, right. But I'm flying Tuesday, and that's when we record. Which today's Tuesday. Joseph Gaither, my main man, looking beautiful as ever. Love the locks tonight, my friend. The beauty now. Uh, wish you I had that kind of hair when I was younger. That <laughs> just you know could stay whatever way I kind of played with it with no product, because it looks like it looks thick like- and. Like a brillo, like a brillo pad, and I don't mean any disrespect by that, but like you can pretty much shape it however the fuck you want, and it just stays there. It's,
2: beautiful. it's kind of like a nice thick patch of like rough on the golf course. It's like some real fluffy rough.
3: That, that's that's uh, one way to describe it, and uh, <laughs> Krugman is correct that I can kind of just whichever way I move it. If I hold my head, hold my hand over it for a while, it kind of just starts to form like that. Uh, but, yeah, we're doing great. It was uh, Alabama Day at SEC Media Day, so it was very, very stressful, long day today. But uh, on the downhill of SEC Media Days, and actually, uh, Luke, uh, Chicago Bears training camp, they report a week from today, one week from the day, uh, the 26th, they're reporting, and they're holding their first practice closed to the public uh, in eight days next Wednesday so we're getting we are closer are closer than you can even imagine for some chicago bears football it is right around the corner the precipice of a new season is upon us uh so really excited about that excited to be here uh really the john fox era was oh gosh such a low dark moment uh, for for me as a as a Chicago Bears fan, well you know, abandon all hope you, you enter here for, uh, with with John Fox, uh, really just disgusting time. But as we were getting into uh, just kind of before the show, goodness gracious, the roster. The Phil Henry roster was just, was just awful. So it took some time to uh, to kind of get uh, get things back together. But, yeah, excited to kind of get into that with you guys tonight. Krugman, you asked uh, Luke and I how we're doing. How are you, dude? How, how, how was your week? And, uh, you know, how's, how does John Fox stack up to uh, what is the, the, you know, 10, 15, 20 Chicago Bears coaches you've seen in your 89 years of life? So I'll tell you uh,
0: Joe, I am feeling good. Uh, I really well today. Uh, you know, I um, have a, a golf tournament with Lucas coming up next week that I'm very excited about to take some time off of work, head out to Nevada uh you know because it's nice and dry and hot out there for us us old folks. It's really good. It's like a you know good retirement community. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, And John Fox actually has it's an interesting twist to, you know, me or with me because I live out here in Denver, uh, which is where Fox was fired from when the Bears hired him. Uh, And so as soon as the Broncos fired him, I was like, no, 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 no. Let's not do this. It's not going to go well. Uh, but Bears brass, you know, George McCaskey being who he is, uh, my understanding is he wanted a, you know, an experienced coach to go with a brand new GM in Ryan Pace. And he was very much encouraged to hire John Fox and not 100% sure how accurate that is. If Pace, you know, Pace has said on multiple occasions that he picked Fox, whatever, but yeah, who knows? I don't
3: know.
2: Didn't it come out... I think it came out later that he actually wanted Dan Quinn. I know that that happened rewinded last year, but I'm pretty sure Dan Quinn was a Ryan Pace guy as well.
0: I had heard uh, he wanted Todd Bowles. Well,
2: there was that, too. Yeah, there. I mean, there was a lot of rumors. Basically, I mean, what to me, what really came out of this was uh, you know, the Bears were an absolute mess after Tressman. I mean, it was just a disaster. The locker room was in shambles, and the Bears needed a safe hire. So um, it didn't surprise me at all that they hired Fox. And uh, I guess at that point, I was a young, naive Bears fan, and I was like, okay, I could get on board with this. You know, a, a Super Bowl winning coach who has, you know, at least an established
0: reputation. So um, established rec- reputation of going eight and eight. I mean, that is
2: oh, like, he didn't win a
0: Super Bowl. He went to a Super Bowl, right? He didn't win. Yeah. He lost, to, I he, lost. I thought he lost. I thought he the the Patriots.
2: Well, I think more his reputation is more so that you know he he generally had pretty well coached teams, and you know guys respected him as kind of that elder coach
0: in the league. I, so, I mean, I'll say this: he could he could build a staff. He was really yeah. good building staff. I mean, his 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 coaches while he was here were, were really good. Um, Fangio. He had Fangio and Gase, Adam Gase. Yeah. Gase was, that was, that was really interesting too, because Gase was a really hot name that off season and was, people thought that he would be uh, a potential head coach that off season ended up being the offensive coordinator for the bears and they did really well uh, under him, you know, cause he was the OC in sh- in uh, Denver as well. So that was really interesting. But uh, we have a surprise we do. special guest waiting. Is it John queue, Fox? And I would like to see what uh, John Fox has to say as he's waiting in queue. No, we have, You say Kashul, special guest from Fireside Bears, joining us tonight. You say it is your birthday or was your birthday this week, so Joe's gonna go ahead and uh sing you in, and then uh, I'll just say, Hey, welcome, man, and happy birthday. How are you?
3: Happy birthday (laughs) to you.
1: well thank you for the intro guys i'm excited to be back here on here obviously uh a lot of change has gone down this summer with how i'm covering the bears but uh that's all stuff that's going to be uh we'll talk about that closer to training camp i guess but i guess the one piece of news i'm not actually doing fireside bears anymore i'm just probably going to be sticking to bear report for the 2022 season is my f- fourth year with bear report super exciting stuff there i've been dropping training camp previews left and right but what an interesting time to like start talking about the bears because i actually got into covering the bears like that 2017 season um which ironically was fox's last year also but i don't think i was ever like a crazy naive fan just because I kept up with everything that was going on and you know I think when you look at it like I reflect on that hiring process and then I reflect on obviously the Matt Nagy hiring process too and I think there's polar opposites that stand out right with Ryan Pace as the GM because I think people forget like Fox went to the Super Bowl in 2013 right when it was Seattle versus Denver and but what happened is, you know, that following year, Denver kind of lost in the playoffs to the Patriots. Is One of Peyton Manning's final two seasons in the league, Fox gets fired, Gary Kubiak takes over. So Fox did not get fired until like mid-January. And I remember, you know, a lot of beat writers and stuff just tweeting, hey, the Bears searched has gotten so much more interesting with John Fox now officially on the market. But I also look at everything and say, you know, from the perspective of a team that needed – that was young that needed to learn just how to be disciplined. I think John Fox was instrumental in that because there were so many players like Leonard Floyd, for example, or a Jordan Howard or a Tariq Cohen, you know, that did kind of have kind things to say about Fox after he got fired, but I don't ever think he was anyone's first choice, including the GMs. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Very interesting. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of change going on that off season and Fox was a steady voice uh, in, you know, available or whatever. He was a senior, senior head coach, or a, a retread, if you will, which I'm never a big fan of retread coaches. The only one that ever seems to have worked out was uh, Andy Reed, uh, and he was always successful in Philadelphia just could yeah. never get them over the hump uh, so you said uh, over the last couple of weeks as you know we've been going through first year of new coaches since this will be another new coach's first year with the Bears uh, we went over Tressman, we went over uh, Lovey. Lovey Smith um, and now we're going over John Fox uh, kind of what what comparisons would you say, or would similarities do you see, or that could be coming this year with uh, with Fox's first year with the Bears, who they went six and ten, and Iberflus's first year, and uh, the over/under is set at six and a half, so you might see another six and eleven team or whatever. What do you see?
1: Yeah, I see like six seven you know possibly eight wins i know a lot of people have the bears pegged as a wild card this year but
3: misspelled 17
1: i don't know so that's your opinion joe but sorry i just got home from like football because i've been at football camp all day um first year coaching by the way so that's exciting so that's why i'm a little like tired it takes a lot out of me to have to shift from like freshman football to you know college and NFL and then obviously being on the show with you guys but no I think you know this year overall just looking at the state of things with the Bears is that you compare like the roster that the Bears had under John Fox that first year and you're like well outside of the rookie class let's say because I wouldn't count the rookie class the first year. It's like, what real building blocks were there, right? When Fox kind of arrived in Chicago. You contrast that to what Matt Eberflus and I will say Ryan Poles are walking into here. And it's like, there were already building blocks on the roster, like Mooney, Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith, Travis Gibson. You know, I'll even throw, I mean, hell, I get the Bears are changing the offense this year, but I would even throw Cole Komet in there as a building block. Because you never know that, like, this new regime could unlock so much more potential. So, you know, from the perspective of, like, similarities between Fox's first season and, you know, Matt Iberflus' first season, I think there's certain similarities that exist. Like, you're gonna see... A team that's young you're gonna see a team that's basically learning how to play football right you're gonna see a team that okay is gonna fight hard and is gonna go ahead and is gonna try their best every single play they're gonna be fast and physical but you know in terms of like the individual players i would definitely say that iberfus's team has a lot more building blocks than any of the other first year bears head coaches um you know outside of i want to say lovey smith
0: yeah, Lovey's team was pretty good. Tressman's offense had a ton of talent, though. Like, yeah, but Tressman. Okay. Okay, I'm but just like, saying the player talent. Yeah. I'm not saying anything about Tressman, but you know, with Marshall and Bennett and Jeffrey and Forte, they had a good amount of weapons there, at least compared. I mean, and obviously the weapons on this team, you know, are either unknown or are still very young. So, but. Talent-wise, I think that was the best offense for a first-year head coach. That's all I was saying.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, it was a really good offense because Trestman's first year was 2013, and the Bears were second in scoring in the offense Mm -hmm. or in the NFL that year in terms of scoring offense, only behind the AFC champion Denver Broncos, which that team was propelled by Adam Gase and John Fox, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl. So, you know, the Bears are always some way, somehow, like— Relevance in the NFL in some capacity, even though this team sucks. Uh, but let me ask you guys a question. Do you guys think that, okay, so Poles and Eberflus took this job and they were hired knowing that they're not going to have to draft a quarterback and have to make it work with Justin Fields. So, in terms of having a young rookie quarterback with upside like Fields on the roster, do you guys think that the expectations for Matt Eberflus going into year one are higher compared to his predecessors or are they the same?
0: Uh, well, expectations from who brass or the media or what i
1: mean? would say expectations from just in general the brass and the media
0: um man they are ripping this roster apart so if their expectations are high they're
3: fucking high i think that uh I think Mark Trestman walked into pretty some pretty high expectations after Lovey Smith missed the playoffs on a tiebreaker
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, the mm-hmm. year prior. But I, I don't really think that uh, I don't really think that Eberflus's expectations are higher than Trestman's. Or uh, Trestman's they're
2: probably similar to old. Fox's.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think they're pretty similar in that uh, to those three.
2: Yeah, I, I think, I'm with you, Joe. I think this is a kind of a very similar situation that we were walking into, you know, when when they hired John Fox. Now, I agree with Usaid when he says that this roster is definitely more talented than I think the 2015 Bears, at, at least on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their offense wasn't... I mean, it had some players. They still had Cutler. They had Matt Forte. They had Alshon Jeffrey. They had Martellus Bennett. They had Zach Miller. So... Uh, I mean, it wasn't an awful offense, but I think this team should definitely be better than the 2015 Bears. Um, but I think a very similar expectations kind of situation that Fox walked into and what Eberflus is walking into right now.
3: The interesting part to me, uh, in, in, if we're in the comparisons uh, game, which we are tonight, is if you look at the 2015 roster uh, and you, you basically say it was an offense that was – Relatively had some pieces, but, but, you know, it was in transition trying to hold it together essentially. And a defense that was very not good and just trying to build around, just trying to get something built. Uh, I think you probably say that about, uh, the 2022 Bears defense and then offense, vice versa. Having, the, having our defense currently this year being a defense that has some pieces and has, a, has some potential to actually be good, but there's some changes going on. You trade away Khalil Mack, just like the Bears traded away Brandon Marshall on that offense. You, tra- you, you, you make some transitional moves there. Um, but then are uh, You look at our offense uh, right now, and the offense, you know, <laughs> uh, like you said, uh, Luke is being ripped apart by the media for its uh, for its lack of lack of talent, lack of for skill, skill. So I think that you they're kind of looking into they're kind of walking into similar situations, but just kind of flip flop the uh, the offense versus defense back from uh, from the John Fox 2015 Bears.
0: I think uh, I think there's some building blocks on the offense, maybe not a ton. There's uh, you know Mooney and Komet. Those guys are going to be superstars, and uh, <laughs> Justin Fields. Don't you dare, dog Komet, you son of a bitch! Just because he didn't go to Alabama. Daggum Golden Domer. Daggum, six hundred yards on a trash team, man, with like ninety-four targets, bro. <laughs>
3: I hope he is tied in number one, tied in one. Put him in the Kelsey class. Let's
0: do it. You know, give
2: him like that's that's the issue is that people, people, if you're not Kelsey, you're nobody. If you're not Kelsey or Killer, you suck. That's the thing, Joe. And you of all people should
0: know that. Know what that's not true
1: or no. So, Ooh. so what I'll say is this, okay? Like y'all brought up, you know, the 2015 Bears having some building blocks, but versus like chris saying that this team has some building blocks and i think like what is your definition of building blocks right it certainly like you have to take that into account and i someone you bring
2: back for a second contract
1: okay so there you go so so here's the deal though you have to look at building blocks in a specific context right and i think like that 2015 team if we're going to be honest like We knew Forte was on his way out. he was 30. He was in his 30s. We knew that Jay just, as soon as the Bears hired rank Pace, we knew Jay was not the future in Chicago. It was kind of just, this roster's so bad. We don't want to give a rookie quarterback a bad roster. Plus, looking back at it, I think that I'm actually glad the Bears didn't trade up for Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston or the following year, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, because there were reports that Pace was trying to trade up both times. I'm actually happy that the Bears picked the quarterback in 2017, just because the roster did have at least some pieces around it, right? Like a good running game, which again, was Jordan Howard. Now, whatever happened after Mr. Trubisky happened, but I think like in the context of building blocks, that team had older building blocks. Let's be real, you know. And like I said, couldn't really consider Forte or Cutler long-term building blocks. I mean, Bennett. As soon as Pace got the chance to ship him out, he basically shipped him out for chump change. And then there was Alshon Jeffrey. Now, Alshon, you could argue was a legitimate building block because he was still on his rookie contract at the time. As I burped into my microphone here because I was just eating dinner. My apologies, Joe. What'd you have? But, What'd you have? Uh, ground beef and naan so nice yeah gotta get the uh protein in i got my uh three cups of uh water here my ice cream bowl my ice cream sandwich wrapper because i was eating ice cream (laughs) earlier today yes ladies and gentlemen we do eat ice cream sandwiches for snacks in the afternoon but anyway so getting back to the relevant topic here i think like overall when you look at it like the Iberflus Bears have more building blocks, let's be real, because this is a team that you've got like, okay, so Fields is on his first contract. Borum Jenkins, they're on their first contracts. Commit Mooney on their first contracts. You got Montgomery Herbert. So I counted off like what? 10 players right there that are on their first contracts, all of which have the chance of, you know, becoming long-term building blocks that could easily get second contracts and then i think when you look at the defensive side of the ball you're looking at kind of the same story right you've got travis gibson who i think people don't give travis gibson enough credit for what he did last year especially considering the fact that he was asked to basically be khalil Mack without actually having any of the traits or intangibles that Cleo Mack does Gibson's on his first contract you got Jalen Johnson um Roquan Smith both on their first contracts and then Thomas Graham Jr. I know some people hate him but I think Thomas Graham Jr. is going to surprise a lot of people when training camp opens next week just because you look at him and you're like yeah he's got everything it takes to kind of play that hybrid safety cornerback slot corner role in Matt Eberflus's defense or as we call it in freshman football he's a money player.
0: He's uh he's definitely showed out at the end of last year and I look forward to seeing how Eberflus and Allen Williams use uh Uh, thomas graham and the rest of that secondary uh you know they brought in a couple they brought in a corner they brought in a safety to kind of be some specialist players like nickelback and uh big nickel um but uh i think they're gonna playing a lot of that this year for sure And, and the nfl is moving moving kind of towards that style especially with like more mobile quarterbacks running quarterbacks and then a lot of tight ends in the uh in the mix um people don't want to be caught with their pants down but also want to be able to defend the run so
3: real
1: tight ends, not like Cole combat <laughs> chris krogman's another 30 off the show no, Gavier's just going to be like Jaheel Billingsley's tight end one for 2023. Oh, God, no. Yeah. That's...
2: <laughs> Let's see. what The Bears basically in 2015 on their defense, they had, I would say, Kyle Fuller and Adrian Amos were their two building blocks, and Eddie Goldman was on that defense as well. But yeah, no, for the... I would say they definitely had a lot of older players on offense and a lot of their guys in their later 20s, too, on defense, and uh I guess it's you know in a good way it's good that polls kind of just trim the fat with a lot of i mean they they obviously had a lot of free agents, but I feel like a lot of times pace just signed dudes to sign dudes, and I think with polls here he's at least his methodologies he's getting younger higher upside guys where for example Ryan Pace i think in that first year he signed Antrell Roll, who was 33 and it was just like what are you doing like that does it shows our team nothing this is just another guy when if you compare that with what the bears are doing this year for example take Nicholas Morrow you know instead of uh you know trotting out some random old old guy out there to fill a spot they they ha- they bring in a guy who you know who has shown flashes, who could possibly be, you know, a solid running mate to Roquan Smith. So um, I think the, the kind of contrast in, in off season philosophy there, I think is interesting just because I think Ryan polls is granting a chance uh to a wider net of players, which could obviously, I mean, it could easily blow up in the bear's face if these guys don't pan out, but at least, you know, you're not, if you find one or two diamonds in the rough here, I would consider that a, pretty successful offseason
0: for me it's all about band-aids and how they put them on and rip them off like ryan pace was always trying to band-aid like you said lucas with older players patchwork guys uh, guys that were injured but older and trying to get second and third chances um, and signing you know big ticket free agents or making big splash trades um, and I know it's it's still year one for polls, but he's ripped the Band-Aid off in, you know, cutting guys, trading Khalil Mack, um, and then his patchwork is with younger guys, you know, more upside guys like Morrow, uh, trading for Nikhil Harry, uh, you know, dra- tr- trading back and drafting just a shotgun of you know uh, opportunities at the offensive line spot where you would have seen pace go out and sign, you know, f- four or five of the guys that, you know, Bears Twitter has said that we still need to sign um at, at the offensive line spot. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Poles continues his path of building this roster, uh getting younger. This could just be a year one thing. Next year you might see him sprinkle in more vets and more free agent signings with a much healthier cap situation next year. Um, I'm no capologist, but allegedly we have tons of cap room next year. So uh, it sounds like a good thing, Uh, but I think polls will still be cautious in how he approaches free agency and won't just, you know, sign Robert Quinn to a five year $70 million deal worked out in year two, but (laughs) Uh, year one was, was not so, was not so pretty. Um, so that's my, my take on, you know, roster construction and how polls has gone about it and we'll see how it works out. Uh, a lot of people have, have said that the bears are completely stacking the deck against Justin Fields. And, you know, I, it's not just in the general media world. Um, I watched a fantasy football show today and they were even talking about how stacked it is against fields. So, you you know, you said you asked the question earlier about is the expectations higher for them, but at the same time, if Justin Fields is having the deck stacked against him and he had, you know, he is an upside quarterback, are they really going to be held responsible for the outcomes of this year? Because, well, they say, you know, he, he Justin Fields, wasn't our guy.
1: Yeah, so I want to go back to your point real quick, Chris, in terms of, you know, like Ryan Pohl's strategy. And I think, like, the Bears do have a lot of money in cap space next year. That's for two reasons. Number one, a lot of these contracts are coming off the books, like Trevathan, Nick Foles, you know, Cole Mack, players that are not with the Bears anymore. But also it's because the Bears don't have, you know, a full 53 guys on their contract you know there's still a lot of moving pieces and again there's more money that can be created by letting go of eddie jackson cody white here and rob quinn next offseason but you know what's interesting is this is i think like look if you're polls and eber and i don't think anyone's made this observation on bears twitter simply because i believe that a lot of the analysis that's on my timeline and our timelines i should say is just incredibly generic and more often than not you know the problem is the simple fact that like a lot of people think they know and they're able to identify and understand certain trends but it's like they really don't know okay and people are like stoked for bringing in Eberflus and bringing in polls because they think a fresh approach is going to change everything. And it's just like fresh faces may bring different approaches. But at the end of the day, the approach doesn't matter if the results don't show up. Right. But I think when you look at polls approach this offseason and Eberfluses, too, there's really one common theme is that all these one Two-year signings that they were making, you know, like Nick Morrow, one-year contract. Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, one-year deals. You've got Justin Jones, Elkwadeen Muhammad, the defensive lineman, on two-year deals, both of which are going to start, by the way. So you heard it here first, okay? They're going to open up training camp next week as the first team defensive lineman. But anyway, uh, I think when you look at Ibrafus and Poles, they come from organizations, the Chiefs and Colts, which develop reputations for being teams that really value homegrown talent and quite frankly like if we're being honest as Lucas is going to continue to nod his head here and agree with me like the Bears have been one of the most active teams in free agency over the last decade that basically means that draft picks don't work out and the Bears use free agency as a way of fixing them which is also code for the bears suck when it comes to homegrown talent now did that homegrown talent kind of get better under ryan pace yeah but ultimately we know now that it was never enough to like sustain a foundation so for the first time ever the bears had 11 picks their most since 2016 in the 2022 nfl draft and yeah you're gonna look at some of these guys and say well who the hell is that this player should probably not even be on the roster the only way this guy's making the rosters on special teams but you know if you can get a special team stud in the seventh round like an elijah hicks that's real good because i mean let's be real like Sherrick McManus was not really a defensive player. He was just a stud on special teams, and yet look how valuable he was. Like, I was Mm -hmm. a fan favorite. So I think overall, as I wrap my rant up here, probably because Gators getting incredibly irritated with me, (laughs) is the simple fact that when you look at, you know, Poles and Eberflus, I think it would be stupid for them to go ahead and say, well, Justin's not our guy, simply because when you look at the 10 teams that changed GMs or head coaches this offseason, I mean, the reality is that of all of them, not a lot of them, you know, are walking into situations where they've got a talented quarterback like Justin Fields to build around that would actually do wonders for their own job security because if Fields pans out, you know, in 22 or 23 and he takes that jump, you're basically going to – they could phrase it as, well, we know he wasn't our guy, but – Look at what we did to build around him and we made your franchise relevant all of a sudden and you were the ones who fired the people who brought Justin Fields in.
0: Yeah, I uh I agree homegrown talent has been and has been garbage and that's one, one of the things that that always annoyed me about Ryan Pace uh is the talent homegrown talent did get better under him. But he constantly traded away the opportunity to add to that homegrown talent, whether it was trading up or trading for players, or you know, giving away first rounders, you know, left and right. So I mean, not trading back more. Ryan Pace was very good in the later rounds of the draft, and he just constantly gave those picks away. And it was always very frustrating to me that he didn't play more to that strength rather than you know, rely on free agency to, to, you know, put a
1: overhaul bandaid on a,
0: on a, on a, yeah. To overhaul his roster. It was ridiculous. You know uh, you have a, a gaping hole and you try to put, you know, slap a, a, a piece of gum on there. over it. Yeah. And it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. You need that homegrown talent. And you say, you know, if it's a, a seventh round, uh, special team stud like like Hicks that's awesome if Braxton Jones pans out as a fifth round left tackle and starts that's awesome if you know somebody goes down and they now have the homegrown offensive line depth to cover that hole for a few games uh then that's that's a win as well and you never know How well you know Chris Morgan is going to develop these offensive line guys that were brought in. Uh, How well Velus Jones is going to you know develop as a as a professional thirty five year old rookie. Um, You just never know. No older than you are, Chris. He is. He's like ninety two or something. But um, I think good points you said. I was
2: going to say I think the other point too that. Kind of doesn't we you know we we can talk about Ryan Pace drafting. He's definitely good at bringing in like solid draft picks, I would say. But I would say he really missed. Like, I don't really know of one just elite talent he brought in. Maybe Roquan, but outside of that, that's it. Adam Jaheim. fields. That's what I mean. He brought in a lot of guys who could fill spaces on an NFL roster, and were fine. They were just guys though, but. I really, I think Ryan Pace really missed on all of his really big picks. Like he never really brought in an elite talent outside of Roquan. I would say Eddie,
0: Eddie Goldman.
1: All right, so so Lucas, let me ask you because someone bought Eddie up. Would you consider Eddie Jackson an elite talent? Because. I, th- I know Eddie Jackson's incredibly polarizing, but like, let's be real. I mean, part of the reason that, you know, he quote unquote had a decline in production is simply because like the Bears front seven was decimated with injuries. And then the secondary around him also sucked, which forced him to have to step up and do more. But would you consider Jackson an elite talent? Cause he was a Ryan Pace draft pick.
2: I would consider the, the talent elite. But I don't think he's, I think he hasn't really played up to that as much as, I mean, he had that one incredible season and he basically got, you know, an insane contract from it. And I think he's been better than people think. But again, I think he's just kind of been like, he's another guy. He's like another, he's like a, you know, you could say he's maybe a top 15 safety in the league, but he's not, he's not like top three. So to answer your question, no, I wouldn't put him in that category. I would say it's a very solid draft pick
1: yeah i think like like i look at braxton jones right now okay and you know what i say is this is it's like like i think people forget the nfl kind of went through a phase where a lot of people were under the impression that you know you could only find an elite safety within round one because this is i mean jackson got drafted in 2017 a year later you had Well, the same draft class, you had Malik Hooker and Jamal Adams. And then a year later, you had Minka Fitzpatrick. Then I think it was 2018. Yeah, you also had Derwin James. So a lot of people are under the impression that, okay, to get really solid safety play, you can only find them in, like, the high rounds. But I think ultimately, like, Jackson's been good for the Bears. Has he been, like, as good as some of the Eddie Jackson truthers? Want to give him credit for? No. Because, like, that first touchdown in the— Bears Rams game week one in the 2021 season like if you look at the all 22 I mean that was kind of just Eddie Jackson being lazy on that play but ultimately I think he's been solid but he hasn't outside of the 2018 season really been anything significantly special
3: mm, yeah I mean I would agree with that
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's I mean, top 15 safety in the league, that's potentially accurate. I would say he's probably a top five free safety in the league. I mean, when he's used correctly and can do what he's meant to do, like when he had Amos as the in-the-box safety and he didn't have to be up in the box as much, then he was he was much better. Uh, but... When he had to be more involved and try to be a tackler, which he we all know he's not, then he he wasn't as good. And I think that completely took him out of rhythm. Uh he was asked to do things that he wasn't comfortable doing. And I think we did see flashes of good Eddie Jackson last year, but you know, like you say said, said, we weren't getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback um he was out of position a lot of times so yeah uh i think eddie jackson will be much better this year we'll see him in that cover three and be, see him roaming the uh the center field much more so uh i would th- is he elite no i think he was an incredibly good draft pick though for a fourth round guy with a yeah. broken leg fantastic draft pick
2: that's what I mean, though. My my main point was just that I think Pace really struggled to kind of get over the hump as well, just because he never really had that one guy that transformed the team, and he constantly had...
0: he, he traded his first rounder all the time. You well, know, he traded his first well, yeah. rounder two, three times with with uh, with Mac, and then uh, with uh, with another D. I can't remember. Whatever. Anyway, so so uh, yeah, it but was
1: the uh, Justin Fields deal right? Because he yeah. It was a Justin Fields deal that Pace traded away the 2022 first rounder to move up to grab fields. Because before that, the Bears had traded two first rounders away for Khalil Mack.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be nice to have a first round pick
1: again
2: next year. Next year's the year. So, Joe, I'm going to go to you here. We're 40 minutes into the show. We got a little off track there. Uh, I mean, what are some of the main takeaways you have from the the Fox first year and, and this Chicago Bears team with Matt Eberflus?
3: Oh well, I mean, it was it, it was kind of a year where they just had to get through it. They just had to get through it too. Don't you kind of feel that way about this season? Yes, bro? yes, absolutely. You look at you look at the expectations, and you say, kind of brought that up a, a, a while a while ago. It's like and you look at the roster and it's just like, okay, you just kind of have to bite the bullet and get through it and understand that, you know, Ryan, Pol- uh, Ryan polls is playing kind of sort of this, this long game and development of homegrown talent. And, you know, let's get to the 23 NFL draft and bring another draft class in and see what the money situation looks like at that, at that, at that point, you look at kind of what happened in the 15 off season, with the Bears getting rid of Brandon Marshall, with you know, watching, uh, you know, working several players out of the out of the out of the Ross. Lance Briggs was gone, you know, was was let go. Chris Conte was let, was, was allowed to walk like several players. Charles Tillman were allowed, was allowed to walk like several players were let go, and you know, and they basically just had to kind of eat some of that some of that cap situation and eat some of that transition. And I think the same thing is what you're, I think, I think we're walking into something very, very similar this year where the bears are just having to, uh, Oh, why didn't we go out and get this player for Justin Fields? Why didn't we make that move for Justin Fields? Well, at some point you got to bite the bullet when we've talked about it before uh, on the show that like some point you've got to pay uh, these debts that are stacking up and, and and kind of, we've kind of all alluded to it. Throughout the last 15, 20 minutes, that Ryan Pace, Ryan Pace's fatal flaw is I think he always viewed his roster or his team as a handful of moves away from winning a Super Bowl, and so why not go make these moves? Why not mortgage the future of the franchise? Why not you know get trade away picks because because if I can get one that one guy, then that's gonna put this roster over the top. Well. We, we haven't been there. And I, th- and I think that uh, Ryan Pulse recognizes that. And, and, you know, you, you have to just kind of suck it up and bite the bullet and realize that these sorts of things take time to build consistency. And so you, you have, you know, it's more than three or four, more than four draft picks. You have four, you go seven, 10, all, you know, in that range. And you keep, stacking up your 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 chances at at you know what is it by at, at taking more bites of the apple trading back getting more picks in in the back end of the round you know big, bringing in homegrown talent not overpaying for veterans letting the right guys walk and so i think yeah, you see a lot of similarities from 2015 to this coming year where yeah, we're we're paying the price for some of our previous regimes' mistakes, and does that mean that we probably do go six and eleven, seven and ten, maybe eight and nine? Well, yeah, that's what it probably is going to look like. But uh, don't sit here as as a Bears fan and say, "Oh my gosh," you know, when it comes to November, December, oh my gosh, Ryan Poles, he's an idiot. Oh my gosh, Matt Eberflus, he sucks. When you know, they're just paying for the sins of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace uh, if, over the last three or four or five years. Yeah,
2: those, yeah are, those, are. those are some solid points there, and I'll let, you know, Chris and Sade take the mic here in a second, but I almost feel like that this, you know, the more you were talking about this and the more I've, you know, kind of just flashed back on John Fox, I feel like this year that we're walking <laughs> into – it almost seems like a combination of the whole Fox tenure wrapped in one. Like, you know, we talked about Ryan Pace's kind of inability to, you know, want to draft talent and always to just bring in veterans to fill holes. Well, I feel like his first few years at Fox was just like literally three years of patchwork. Whereas I feel like, like I said, with, with Ryan Poles coming in here, he's just cutting the fat immediately, letting young guys playing, seeing what we have. so, You know, we'll be able to hopefully be competing for something next year, whether it be a playoff spot, the division, whatever. You know, I think polls is really giving a lot of young guys a chance to play. Whereas these John Fox years starting 2015, 2016, 2017, you know, they had an old quarterback who was on his way out of the team and just a bunch of guys who were there in the midst of getting rid of. So Don't call Cuddy Barrow old. He was the man. Well, they they were ready to get rid of him. I mean, his time was up. And, uh, like we said, you know, John, John Fox was just like a, just kind of like a stopgap coach. I mean, nothing special, but you knew, you know, like Chris said, he was available and it was kind of something the bears needed after Tressman to kind of just save face a little bit to bring in a more tame type leader. Um, but yeah, I would say the, the Fox years kind of combined into one is how I feel about Eber Flus, uh, you know, this year and, and I feel a lot better about the potential that Ibrahflus has, as opposed to you know when we're given Fox, we're like, all right, we know this guy's going to be here, max four years. um it, You know, it's just going to be it's boring. I, I feel like this Bears team should at least be fun to watch. I think they're going to be, you know, Ibrahflus is going to make you want to watch these guys because, like Chris said, they're going to be running, they're going to be hustling, they're not going to be taking plays off. It's not going to be a bunch of old veterans who are going to retire. Like these guys are going to want to win very badly, so. They'll at least be fun to watch at the very least. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of a a huge difference between this year and uh, 2015 Fox. Chris, I'll kick it over to you guys to take it over.
1: Yeah, I think, listen, like the whole and I've been on this train since... The Bears hired Poles and Iberflus, and it was very clear that this team supposedly had nothing to play for in 2022. Like, Robert Quinn said this perfectly last season. We're in a press conference. He was asked, like, oh, what are you going to do if you're not here next year? Does the season even matter? Because, like, y'all are pretty much out of the playoffs and you keep losing games. And Robert basically responded by saying, because I remember this from these pressers distinctly, right? rob basically responded by saying no it does matter and the end of the season does matter even though we're not necessarily a winning team because like this is my job this is my livelihood there's a chance i might not be here next year so right now i'm playing for this season and for the future right and so when we look at that comment you realize that i don't expect the bears to be good this year but ultimately this season still matters why because there's going to be times this season where the final score is going to suck and the Bears are going to get blown out there's also going to be times this season where ultimately at the end of the day you know you are going to see growth from these players like Fields and Mooney and Kmet and the names that Chris and I have rattled off consistently right so the point is I think is that this season matters because it's basically an evaluation year you know we're going to get one last look at some of these guys from the ryan pace era and it's going to be very clear that some of them will not be here next year the good news is that going into next season i do anticipate like more ryan pace draft picks kind of being a part of the bears organization and the team right and what i mean by that is like fields mooney you know even Khalil herbert i think they're going to be you know foundational pillars of the offensive line but the point is is that this season matters more than I think a lot of people are willing to admit because the reality is that you have a young quarterback and look let's be real last year was a lame duck year last year the only thing that made the Bears even relevant was Justin Fields this year though it's just I think the excitement that there isn't this kind of Merry go round, like musical chairs circus at the QB position, and that Justin's getting those reps from day one. And that's something that really matters because in the past, like I tweeted this last offseason and I tweeted it, you know, right around end of August, kind of towards the end of preseason. I point blank said, I was like, look, like a lot of fans are surprised that Matt Nagy's made a mess of this quarterback situation. Because the narrative had shifted from like Andy's the starter to Justin, but that previous regime was not necessarily willing to recognize that plans change for anything and everything. Right. And the bears are no exception. And so last off season, when I made that tweet, a lot of people were like, Oh no, you're crazy. Like trust in Matt Nagy. Whereas when you look back at it, you realize that the season would have been so much more different had Justin gotten the keys to the offense. So in a way it's like, this is justin's true rookie season but ultimately when you look at it like this season matters because it's all about justin's development and the development of a lot of these other guys and when you look at some of these rookies i mean hey the bears are pretty damn lucky to get two first round picks on their roster in round two with kyler gordon and jaquan brisker because any other draft class those guys would have gone in the first round
0: yeah you said you said it man uh it's development is the key word this year and justin and the offense are are those guys but it's it's this defense as well uh two young studs taken in the second round you also have roquan who's still very young um trevis gibson very young you have a uh defensive end taking in the what fifth or sixth round this year that a lot of people are impressed with um can't remember his name right now but um it, it's been a long day dominic robinson, yeah, yeah, robinson
1: thank you committed you there too. to play as a quarterback switched over a wide receiver and then to um defensive end and the only reason i know all that is because i wrote a defensive line preview for bear report and dominic robinson's on the d line
0: yeah, so he knows the game of football, played it all over the place. So uh, looking forward to seeing that kid. But a lot of developmental things. But, Lucas, to kind of go back to your uh, similarities question between Fox and, and Eberflus and this team, uh, Fox, defensive coach, Eberflus, defensive coach, uh, I think we're going to see a good defense um this year the fox defense ranked 20th in points for that year 14th in yards uh the offense was actually 23rd and 21st i don't think we'll see that good of an offense this year but hopefully luke gets can find some some offense and some uh you know some guys to develop into uh playmakers on this team but i think that they're gonna run the shit out of the ball you know they ran the ball 48 percent of the time under john fox in year one and for a losing team that's that's quite high you know only throwing the ball 52 percent of the time when you're losing uh most of your games is is pretty low and i think that's what we're gonna see with with getzi and team we're gonna see a lot of the running game hopefully he gets creative in the different ways he runs either inside zone outside zone uses Justin to either run option plays or read plays and we see you know Fields could put up six seven eight hundred yards like Lamar Jackson did and be you know we could see an absolute monstrosity of a running game between Fields Montgomery and Herbert so the the the, diff, the biggest similarities i see are a defensive strong a more defensively strong team than offensively and a team that's going to run the hell out of the ball
3: i'll never forgive john fox for challenging uh that benny cunningham dive against the green bay packers Taking six points off of, off our own board. I have never seen
0: a coach lose a touchdown and the ball challenging. Wait,
2: why did he challenge that if they ruled it a touchdown?
0: They didn't rule they it didn't. a touchdown. He was out at the one, and so they were pretty much first and goal. But oh. he had lost the ball, and it got fumbled through the end zone, which is a, touch a touchback. Touchback, right? Yeah, it gives yeah. it to the other team. So, yeah worst challenge i've ever seen in my entire life that's a that's a that's a great uh memory that you just brought up joe and took a took a year off of my already old life which if i heard somewhere in that whole rant between all of y'all that old people are useless and should be put out to pasture so i'm going i'm gonna check out i'll see y'all later my god
1: i uh sent Joe, a uh, text if you wanted to go ahead and uh, look at that text because I think that that look really suits you. We need your live reaction on the yeah. podcast. Um,
3: if I could, that... if I can grow that thick of a beard, then I would. uh <laughs> I would. I would go for it.
1: Yeah, look at the one for Krogman too. I mean, or the Frogman. It looks really good, actually.
2: It's the it's the Luke Berry filter. Yes, it, it
1: is. is. Yeah, it looks I'm handsome. handsome.
0: Oh, there That's he is. Handsome.
3: Look at that guy. Yeah, okay,
1: but he, here's the thing, right? Getting back to football, like I think just overall, you know I mean, I'm in the minority for this. I actually enjoyed watching the Bears during the Fox years because of all the young talent, okay? Like, the team had a Top 10 defense in 2017, that John Fox McFangio defense is the reason that we saw, you know, Akeem Hicks basically go from being a rotational guy in an afterthought to one of the best Bears players of this generation. I don't care what you think. Like, Akeem Hicks had a freaking impact. You know, Eddie Goldman, too, I thought was phenomenal as I plugged my laptop in because it needs to charge. And then, you know, like Jordan Howard, too. Like, I I remember that first year of the John Fox era, right? Everyone thought that, like, Jeremy Langford was the answer at running back in the future because he had, like, eight touchdowns. And then out of nowhere, like, less than a year later came – jordan howard you know and let's be real like the bears offense that time sucked and really jordan howard was one of the only calling cards and you know you do i think have to give that regime credit and that coaching staff credit for just being able to kind of develop younger undrafted free agents, right? Like Cam Meredith, I thought was on his way to being a good NFL wide receiver before he tore his ACL in that Tennessee Titans preseason game in 2017. You know, and then another one I would say, and I think this is the probably the best undrafted free agent the Bears have had in recent memory, but it would be Bryce Callahan. Undrafted free agent in 2015 and was a damn good slot corner. So you know, like did the facts like I understand at the nfl all 32 teams are defined by wins and losses now did the fox era bring a lot of wins no, it's 14 games and three seasons that the bears won right but overall i think that there were still a lot of silver linings that you look at and you're like okay you know what i could totally understand why watching the john fox bears was fun okay now if you guys want to discuss matt nagy i mean Joe, we'll have to do that another time. Just invite me back on That's the show. That's next now. week. That's next yeah. week? That's going to be interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'll hop on for that one, too. We'll see. You can, re- you can replace Chris next week. No, I would not replace Chris. This is y'all's show, so I only hop on from time to time. You know. No,
2: Chris won't be here.
1: Oh, Chris won't be here? Where are you going, Chris?
0: uh oh, i'm retired a- i'm old remember i put out the pasture now i'm uh i'll be in transit to las vegas so i'll be flying out uh to me i'm meeting him out there the day
2: after
3: oh dude it's it just hit me in in 2015 that was the uh brett Favre night win mm-hmm. oh that yeah
1: what a great night that was. <laughs> oh I was um in transit on the way back from Pakistan that year. So I was in Istanbul and the old Istanbul airport did not have Wi-Fi. So I wasn't able to like watch the game. But then I found like a Starbucks and connected my phone to the Wi-Fi. And when I saw that the Bears had beaten the Packers by like three points or whatever, I was just like, let's freaking go. Um, What a yeah, great night, that- that was excellent. It was also, ironically, only one of two times that the Bears beat the Packers. Well, it was the only time the Bears beat the Packers at Lambeau Field in the Ryan Pace era, um, which is super damn sad. Which, speaking of, you know, Ryan Pace kind of talked about taking the North back, and, you know, Ryan Poles said the same thing, so it's just like... Like I hate to be that guy, but it's kind of like same shit different day mentality, so here's to hoping this new regime actually does it this time
3: Well, I mean, if you do that, you can stay around for me <laughs> honestly that's that's what it that's all it takes. I'm a simple man. you beat the team up north and you can hang around and get chance after chance after chance uh Unfortunately,
1: we haven't seen anybody do that really in a long time since lovey that you know that's one thing i appreciated when it came to lovey smith okay also side note it seems like every time i'm on the podcast chris is like in transit to vegas i'm serious because one of the last times i was on the show i'm pretty sure he was in
0: vegas yeah that was like the first time that was last year for the same tournament you were on the show but i was there that time oh. so but we did have you on I, oh my uh, god i do remember that actually when, you were at, when i was in vegas last year so you are correct I only go once a year, you said, so you just you just happen to uh, get the luck of. The day.
1: I mean, you're in Denver, right? So geographically speaking, um it's not technically that far. So for all we know, you could be taking like weekend trips there or something um, and not telling us you see it's a good. <laughs> Exactly. Be. See, he's opening the door right now for this conversation. <laughs> no, but seriously, that Brett Favre night was legitimately the best. Okay, like I got NFL Game Pass, and I've gone back probably like ten times and rewatched that game, just because there's something about being able to like ruin, you know, Brett Favre's <laughs> retirement ceremony because like Bart Starr was there. Um, but it's one thing I always appreciated about lovey Smith was just like the Bears won six, seven games with lovey Smith sometimes, right? But of those, like, two wins were always against the Packers, which was the best thing ever.
3: Amazing. Do, man, you, do
2: you guys have any final thoughts on this before we uh, let you sing the song here? Chris, do you have any final words before you go to Vegas?
0: Hmm. So my only contribution for next week is I stand super hard
3: for Matt Nagy for years and I was I was dead wrong oh we will get into Matt Nagy next week Um, so we'll put a put a big bow on this week and next week we'll have a little taste of training camp news as well uh, as our favorite team checks in next Tuesday afternoon uh, and, and basically by that point we will be all downhill ready for a new season ready for 17 and zero super bear super bowl super bear super, super bowl getting excited for uh you know uh, an, a magical run here uh, luke anything else you got for us this evening sing the song Bear down, Chicago Bears, make every play clear the way to victory. Bear down, Chicago Bears, put up a fight with the might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you thrilled the nation with your T-formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears, and let them know why you're wearing the crown. You're the pride and joy of Illinois Chicago Bears, Bear Down!